0: Shret Takes Podcast Show. I'm your host, Michael Shredder. And today I have Troy Collarin on my show. He's a uh, junior at Amherst College. He's on the men's track and field team. And we're here to talk about, you know, the grand old New York Knicks, who actually are not a laughing stock of the NBA anymore. Troy, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's good to see you.
1: Of course, Shred. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Always, uh, always down to talk Knicks. You know that.
0: Absolutely. So let's, (laughs) let's jump right into it. Uh, The guy who's now the all-star for the New York Knicks, Julius Randall, got selected to uh, Kevin Durant's team last night in the all-star draft. Let's talk a little bit about how he's become so successful this year. And and from your angle, do you think that this is going to be something that can continue as the season goes forward and their schedule gets a little tougher?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, first of all, it's incredible because last year, or even up until the first couple games of the season, I think most Knicks fans were like, trade this guy while he still has some value. Like, we don't want to see another season of him doing a spin move every time he uh, goes into the paint and turning it over 10 times a game. Um, So just the jump that he's made, I think. I think that's crazy enough. Um, And to to go from where he was last year to an All-Star, I think, is even more impressive, really. I think as after our after the All Star break, um, it'll be a little bit tough because I think teams are really gonna start game planning for him even more than they probably already are. Um, but I, I think the jump that he's made is legit. I think it's legit because I think he's always had the tools to do what he's doing right now. He just I think he just had he put too much pressure on himself. I think. I see it being sustainable. He might have a little bit harder of a time second half of the season, like I said, with more game planning towards him on defense. But really, it's, he's incredible, and he's, he's made a really, really cool leap. It's been cool to watch him this year.
0: Yeah. Uh, the one thing I'll say, too, is just the fact that uh, the, the maturity angle of just his game, right, the fact that he's leading the Knicks in assists – I don't think anyone expected that from a guy who just would jack up a bunch of shots. And that's not saying against him. Like I actually really, I like him like what he's done as a per terms of off the court. We, even though I don't really view that that much for a player, cause I don't think that really matters. I think what he's done is he's really uh, integrated a lot of that leadership style and the guys listen to him. So jumping right into the second topic, I want to talk about the Knicks. Uh, I think the steal of the draft right now is Emmanuel quickly. Now look, Tyrese Halberton has been really, really good, but I think people expected him to be good. I don't think people expected quickly to be averaging 12 points a game and be this electrifying player off the bench. Now he needs to be a little bit more consistent. He's shooting below 40%, but I think people look at him and say, this guy can be very good. And Obi Toppin on the other hand has not lived up to what he, I think people expected, but that's okay. Cause he's been more of like an energy guy, which is fine, but let's talk about quickly and kind of what you've seen from him and where you think he can improve his game to get the Knicks to just stay around that fifth seed in the East?
1: Yeah, I I mean, in a normal year, I think um, Emmanuel quickly would be like the biggest surprise, the most exciting thing in New York right now, right? Or like amongst the fans or with both of the teams even in New York. Um, but obviously, like we talked about with Julius Randle, um, he's a little bit backseat, but that's okay because I don't think I don't think too much pressure would be good for him, even though he's shown kind of so far that he really kind of enjoys having that pressure. He likes to play in the fourth quarter. He, he makes big shots in the fourth quarter. Um, I, but yeah, I've been super impressed with him. And I think just in terms of, like you said, Halliburton's been good, obviously Lamelo's been good, but in terms of where he was drafted late, late in the first round, um, he's gotta be, I feel like the steel of the draft. Um, Because I mean, I always see that picture on Twitter that I think it was CBS um, gave them a a D minus draft ranking like (laughs) when they picked him, and now every time he goes off, puts up thirty or whatever, they they always tweet that people retweet that picture, and I think that's hilarious. But I think that's really kind of shown how how big of a deal his kind of eruption, his rookie year, has been Um, in terms of what he needs to do to be more consistent I guess I think that'll come I think that'll come naturally for him um there's games where I'll watch him I think it was the end of the Spurs game the other day they were down 20 like probably sometime in the third quarter and he goes in he's just putting up basically every three he can get a couple inches of space on and um I think it'll be a maturity thing that he kind of just gets in a rhythm learns the ins and outs of the game um kind of like that and I think it'll. I think it'll happen pretty easily for him. I, we expect kind of, I guess, from rookies to. To to not be consistent. I think that should be expected of them. I don't think, you know, I don't think they should have kind of big expectations to always, put up twenty points a game, even if they can do it one or once or twice every few games or, things like that. Um, but I've been really impressed with him so far, and he's been a lot of a lot of fun to watch.
0: Yeah, I, I and mean, then one thing too is like that maturity angle is actually really interesting to talk about how rookies need to be more consistent because we get, I think, um, when we look at like rookies like Zion Williamson, right? Um, he's been, he played great his rookie year, right? We looked at LaMelo Ball this year. He's playing great. But even those guys have, I mean, well, Zion's been very consistent, but LaMelo's had some inconsistencies, right? You know, you're not going to always have like the LeBron James come in and just score 25 points, right? And I think you made good points there about quickly. Now let's talk about RJ Barrett. He's taken definitely a next step. Now he's another guy, right? Inconsistencies at times for sure. Definitely with a three point shooting, but he's improved in every aspect. But I, what I like the most about him, and you can go on different points obviously about this. I love the fact that he's taking challenges defensively and he's taking more of a honus on that end, because I think that's actually what's made him more valuable um, than the scoring actually, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and I think that's kind of part of that has gotta be the Tibbs effect. You know what I mean? Um, I think we can talk about that a little bit later, but yeah, he I think I think last year as a rookie, people really I think underrated him because they wanted him to be they wanted him to be Zion. Uh like he didn't even make I don't he didn't make either of the all rookie teams last year. Um and I just, couldn't, I just couldn't like, reasonably put 10 other rookies ahead of him, I don't think. So I think he really took that as a challenge. And that's, I think, that's the thing I've noticed about him the most, I think, from watching him play, watching him improve, is that he just takes challenges and he, he's always up to challenges. And I think that kind of adds to what you said about, you know, he's, he's taking big, like, defensive assignments, too. And that's not something people thought he was going to do when he came into the league. And so that's been really impressive um, on his end. And, and he's, he's living up to it too. He really is, I think. Um, no, I, I didn't expect him to be as good on the defensive end as he has been this year. Um, or probably in the next few years, I, don't think he, I didn't think he would be as good as he has been this year.
0: Yeah, so... I, I think those points are all very solid. Um, let's look now, this is, I think, the point that you wanted to get into, which was the Tibbs effect, right? And people looked at his Minnesota time where they only made the playoffs once and he wasn't super successful and blamed him for that, right? Because Jimmy Butler wanted to get even though Jimmy Butler even said that it wasn't really Tibbs' fault. It was more Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins that were the problem. And, you know, I don't like to blame players, but, like, that's what people think now when they look at this saying that maybe it was Towns and Wiggins that were the issue. Um, cause he's in Chicago when he had a bunch of really tough guys and guys that bought into defense and all that kind of stuff you've seen this year, right? The Knicks are top five in defensive efficiency. They're number one in opponents, uh, scoring. So like they allow the least amount of points in the NBA and New Orleans Noel is top five in block shots. So talk a little bit about kind of what you've seen from Tibbs and why do you think he's become, I think the right coach for this team?
1: Yeah, like you said about Minnesota, I think it might have been more of almost a personnel kind of issue. And admittedly, I'm not the biggest fan of 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 Carl Anthony Towns uh, or Andrew Wiggins, but they're both great, they're both great players, but I don't think they just fit very well with, with him and you know being a, a big defensive-minded coach. And I think that's the biggest thing I've seen from the whole team is like buying into the, the defensive end because last year they were like the worst, the worst, one of the worst teams on defense in the entire league, the Knicks were. And it was really hard to watch a lot of the time. And, um, but I mean, this year just, I think they made good, good offseason season pickups. Um, you talked about New Noel, he's been really phenomenal, fun- especially with Mitchell Robinson being out with that, uh, I think it was his hand, he hurt his, he broke his hand. Um, New Orleans Noel is like playing forty minutes a night and doing it pretty well. Um, better than I think a lot of people would have thought. He's really kind of living up to that. Like when he was drafted, like this is what I imagine people thought he was gonna was gonna be. Um, he's just no like he's a great defender, great good enough to to kind of look past his offensive kind of lacking. Um, Obviously, he can make dunks, he'll, he'll he'll catch lobs, and and that's good enough. That's kind of the same thing that Drew Robinson does. So, um, but he's filled in great. And I think everybody, because Julius Randle has made a big improvement on defense. Um, he, I think we saw it the other night when they played the Pacers, um, his matchup with Sabonis was just back and forth. And he really, he really, he, he clamps the bones and that was impressive. That was, that's not something that we would have expected out of you know, 2019, 2020 Julius Randle. Um, <laughs> and like we already talked about with RJ and even like <laughs> Derrick Rose is playing crazy. It was like not crazy good defense, but better defense than he's been in a long time. Um, and I know a guy that I love to talk about that you hate to talk about Frank Neal Aquino. Um, Always, always a good defensive player, but he stepped up too. Actually, with Rose is out with the, the COVID protocols, and uh, Alfred Payton was out for a, a couple games with a with an injury, and he stepped up. He's shooting a lot better. Obviously, playing defense, quickly plays hard on defense. Obi Obi Toppin was not a good defender in college, but he's you can tell he's trying, <laughs> and that's that's what's important, you know. Um, and I think that's definitely all an effect of, of coach Thibodeau because he's setting expectations that everybody has to give, even if they're not known to be great defenders, they have to give effort or else it's not going to cut it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's about motivation, right? I mean, you guys with your track team, right. You have phenomenal coaching staff there, right. They motivate you in certain ways to get the best out of you. Before we talk about the mix, I actually want to ask you a little bit of a question about kind of your Amherst track life on campus, uh, if you're cool with that, Um, just talk to me a little bit about kind of, you know, what your coaches have done to kind of integrate you guys back in easily. Cause I mean, it's probably tough for them as it's tough for you and how you're able to kind of keep yourself in shape, keep yourself motivated. Um, Cause again, you've had a lot of success at Amherst track wise, but it's weird not being able to do meets and it's weird not being able to have as consistent practices as you did a year ago.
1: Yeah. Um, obviously, being an outdoor sport, it's a little bit easier um, than maybe basketball, for example, um, because we can get outside and it especially when it gets a little bit nicer out. That'll be that'll be great. Um, but yeah, I think all of our coaches have done like a really great job of getting our schedules down and working out a schedule where because we can only have a certain amount of people at a time in the cage and they've got these uh curtains in the cage now that they put down if there's like too many people so you can have a certain amount of people on this side of the curtain a certain amount of people on the other side of the curtain um but they've done a really good job of like of, of the scheduling part and i think that's the hardest part with the way that you know there's capacity limits or um things like that um So yeah, that's been really nice. And really, we've been able to kind of keep our workouts um, pretty, pretty close to how they've been in previous years, which has been really good, which has been really good because I think that's biggest. The more I think that we feel the effects of COVID on our like athletics, the more I think it gets harder to stay motivated. So I think the more consistency we can have, um, the better. And that's what they've been really really doing the most is keeping things consistent um, to what we what we knew in the past or as close to consistent as we can while still following kind of regulations and, and all that. And I think that's been really helpful for keeping people kind of upbeat about it, I guess.
0: No, it's awesome here. And it doesn't shock me one bit. I mean, you guys have been, Amherst has been very successful in the track and field realm and. You know, your coaches do a great job from what I've heard of motivating and keep in being on top of things. So that's great to hear on your end. But I, you brought Frank Nittalikina earlier. And I think the thing with me, and and look, i talked to you about this extended Amherst, right? You and I have had major disagreements on kind of his role. Um, I don't think he's a great offensive player. I, I think what he's doing right now and the reason why he's playing well is he's fitting his role and he's not trying to be a star. And I think Tibbs, what, he, what Tibbs does very well and I'm reflecting basically on the fact of what he was able to develop with like a guy like Luel Dang, Derek Rose developing him into an MVP, right? You had like guys like Kurt Heinrich, Joe Kim Noah had the best stint of his career with, with tips. And I think what he did was that he basically gave guys roles and gave them also the confidence to say, look, you don't have to be go, especially for Franklin, DelGate, you don't, don't have to go out there and you know make eight, eight threes a game. Go play good defense like Indiana, right? He had that big steal late that sealed the game for them. And, you know, talk a little bit about kind of what has, because people are going to probably think about why is this kid high on Frank Nitalikina? What, what, what from this year has made you say, okay, this is why I was a little bit more right about Frank than more people uh, in the past, including myself, were just like completely wrong about.
1: I think a lot of it comes down to initial expectations of him, his rookie year. Um, He's drafted eighth and a lot of people are like, he's got to be an all-star or else he's a bust. And I think that was just not the right kind of thing to, to, to expect of him. Because if you expect a kid who's supposed to be a project, you know, um, to be an all-star in his, during his rookie contract, I think that's just, and obviously we see it happen, but I don't think it should be expected of every single lottery pick. Um, even, even in this year's draft, there were people who were picked in the lottery who were supposed to be, you know, kind of role players or, like, 3 and D guys. And, obviously, like, definitely he struggled his first few years from, obviously, the, like, a three-point line. And that's, I think, what the biggest kind of critique of him was. Um, because he, he doesn't really have a really f- fleshed-out offensive game. Um, And that was his biggest kind of critique and why he wasn't finding a lot of space in rotations. And um, he always had the defense. He always has been a good defender. And I I always kind of liked that value of him, especially because the past few years, the Knicks have been a horrible defensive team. So I like the idea of a guy who is going to lock down the opposing, you know, point guard or two guard if the two guard is their best player. Um, But I think really this year, I mean, right now he's shooting – yeah, obviously he hasn't played so much, but um, like I think over fifty percent from three. Um last night he used three for three, had like a a sidestep kind of three and a step back that was at first it was a four point play, but then they challenged it overturned. But to see him make moves like that, and he's been great off the catch and shoot too, that's gonna be his role. That's gonna be his role for like. And I think he's really valuable in that role. If he keeps shooting over, you know, 40% with higher volume. um, I don't see why, especially on this kind of team with the, you know, emergence of Julius Randle, Emmanuel, quickly, and RJ, they don't need more guys, especially guards that are going to be ball dominant. They need people who are going to play great defense and be be able to play off the ball. And I think he fits that role like really well, if he can keep, shooting with consistency
0: yeah those are actually good points and that actually i agree with you a lot on on that like his role is going to be a three and d guy and a good example of that is with chicago they got patrick williams in the draft and he's been a great three and d guy for them and that's kind of what he was people thought that he was that's what he was going to be coming in right but let's talk a little bit about so right now the knicks are fifth in the east right so as of right now they're matched up with boston which personally i like I like that matchup more than if we played Miami, interesting enough, because I think Boston, their size, they don't use like – their, their bigs are just not as good defensively as, like, a Bam Adebayo. Bam Adebayo can guard every position, right? The, the Heat, I think, are just and, – and I think the problem with them is that the Heat have such a tough offensive uh, style to guard because they run all these dribble handoffs. But I think that Boston would be really tough because Boston has – Two incredible op- offensive players, Tatum and Brown, are unbelievable. But I like that matchup more because I, I don't know. Even though Kemba Walker's been playing better recently, he hasn't been as consistent this whole year. And the bigs on Boston are—they're all right. Like they're—they're they're all right. So, talk a little bit about kind of. So, there, there's been a debate on many things. Can the Knicks, if they get the playoffs, win a playoff series? I think they potentially could because I think that they surprised a lot of people. And their defense is going to keep them in games. But I think that I'm with you. The, the role players have to step up for them to do that. Your thoughts on kind of where you see number one, if the Knicks are going to still make the playoffs and going to be in that fifth to sixth range, or and also can they potentially win a playoff series?
1: Um, I don't see any reason why they don't end up somewhere in the, the four to 10 range, which is this year, you know, including the play in is making the playoffs. Um, I don't see why they can't stay anywhere in that range and make the playoffs, but I, I, I think they have a good shot to, to compete for that kind of four, five, six area. Um, because like you said, I, and I think this is going to be the biggest thing is their defense. And because you can always be consistent, I feel like on defense, or you can always, defense, it's mostly, it's effort, you know? It's effort, and it you can you can have off-shooting nights. That happens. It happens to everybody, but you, but you can make up for it by playing, you know, playing as good of defense as they've shown they can. Um, and I think that'll be big for, you know, winning a playoff series. And, like, I, I think I agree with you that I'd like to see them play the Celtics. Um, first of all, it'd be just a cool matchup. Um, but second, I like... Uh, I like uh, Julius Randle up against, you know, Daniel Tice or a guy like that more than I like Julius Randle matched up with Bam. Um, That's a little bit scary. Um, But I think no matter what, even if they don't, even if they don't win a playoff series, it's not they're not going to go out easy. You know what I mean? They're going to, it's going to be a tough series for whoever they play. Um, I, I could definitely see them making it past the first round um, just with the way they're playing. Um, and anything, I think, any kind of playoff experience is going to be great for this team. Because it's, I mean, I think they're the second or third uh, by average age kind of youngest team in the league. And that's, uh, that's impressive as it is anything else. Um, I, I think just any kind of experience, and meaningful, doesn't even have to be playoff experience, meaningful basketball, I guess, experience. Because even towards the end of the season, they're going to be fighting for, I mean, the, the fourth through the 10th C right now is so close. They're all right around 500. And I think just being able to play meaningful basketball, which we haven't seen in so many years from any Knicks team, I think is good for, good for any of the young players on the team. And even Julius Randle, who as a leader, is going to I think he's going to grow a lot from that kind of experience
0: agreed Let, let's talk about the last thing I want to wrap up this whole segment is there's been people saying okay we need to get Russell Westbrook at the trade deadline we need to get Bradley Beal we need to like bring in a new star we need to get um, Andre Drummond in there and that kind of stuff number one I think Andre Drummond's probably going to go to Brooklyn if if anywhere uh, more the Lakers one of the two I I, I see Hassan Whiteside more going to the Lakers if I'm to be honest there but I don't think the, the Knicks really need to just bring in a guy midway through the season like Westbrook. And, I, and look, I, I personally like Westbrook. I love the way he plays. But I don't think right now we, we need him. Um, look, like Bradley Beal, I actually would be okay with because I think he's very easy to play with. But I also think it's, it's more important and to develop the younger talent this year, get them the experience. That if you want to make a move in the offseason, fine. But I think right now this team's doing well. I think, and they're right now in playoff contention right now they're the fifth seed, right? So I want to ask you, do you think it's more important for them to say at the trade deadline, we get some big star or develop the youth, get into some playoff experience, then get an asset if you deem it necessary for years to come after that?
1: I've always personally been big on like growing from the draft and picking up young players and letting them fill out into stars and I because I think that's just and it's not always the easiest way to do it but I think it's so much more meaningful and can be so much more valuable than kind of just being a buyer at the trade deadline Um, I think maybe there could be I think if they really wanted to be buyers at the trade deadline they they go for like six seventh like man kind of players who can fill a role um, but I really like kind of I guess just the chemistry that they've got going on right now and being able to see that grow I think would be a lot more valuable than than kind of selling out a lot of the young players for <clears throat> a big name um, I I don't I'm not really a fan of picking up Westbrook um, he's a great player obviously. Um, no doubt about that. But I just don't like his fit um, with the team. Um, Bradley Beal is the, is the one that is intriguing to me, but I'm just worried what kind of trade package that they would have to give up to get him. Um, he's obviously the biggest trade target, I would say, in the NBA right now. Um, the Wizards are gonna be big time askers for that. Um, so I'm a little bit worried about that. I, I'm super hesitant, especially, I mean, it's the same thing we saw with the Carmelo Anthony trade all those years ago, you know, giving up a bunch of first-rounders, young players. Um, I think his contract is up after next year. And it just seems, you know, for a year and a half, maybe, rental, no guarantee to come back to give up as many draft picks and young young players. I don't know. It seems a little, little iffy to me. Um, and I'm not super keen on it. I don't think, um, the one guy that I kind of like in the off season could be Victor Oladipo, depending on how he finishes out the season. Um, I think, I believe he is a free agent this summer. Um, Yes. I think he could fit in pretty well. Um, especially alongside, he's a good shooter, good defender alongside Julius Randle, I think he'd fit well. Um, but that's not like a, I want Victor Oladipo on the Knicks kind of thing. That's like if if we had to go chase a big name this summer, I think that's probably who I would decide to go
0: with. Right, right. And, and the thing is, the one thing I'll I'll say the reason why I think you build through the draft is you look at Boston, right? They built through the draft. You look at the 76ers they built through the draft, right? And. Joel Embiid, right? Sorry, Joel Embiid is playing the best basketball his career now because they got the, the different personnel and, and front office and coaching changes along with them. You can, you can always get, I think, your stars from building in the draft. And then I think you can always go out and get role players that can fit that. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the thing there. But yeah, I, I, you know that that's kind of where I wanted to conclude the show. And Troy, thanks for coming on, dude. I, I, I know you have a busy schedule at Amherst and with practice and school and uh, i appreciate it and i'm glad to hear that track the coaches are and everything everybody's doing well up there and you know just wish you stay safe man and wish you the best of luck the rest of the semester and uh, i'll i'll see you hopefully hopefully soon (laughs) yeah
1: thanks for having me on Shrek. and you know i'm always down to talk nicks so uh, i appreciate the opportunity it's it's good to see you even if even if through zoom
0: (laughs) absolutely all right take it easy bud see you If you like that clip from the Shred Takes podcast show, like and subscribe to the channel and also look at the description below for full episode details.